Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome into this week's show. I am Jim. I am joined by Greg and Brad. Uh, glad, guys, glad you're here today. Uh, you know, I was reading through our reviews on Facebook, and uh, there was a, not on Facebook. I'm sorry, on uh, on Apple, and uh, got a really uh, there was a, there was some really interesting ones. By the way, the best compliment you can pay our show is not to send us an email asking for free coaching. It's to leave a review on Apple or Spotify, five star only. We don't want the four, the three, the two, or the ones. But leave us that. It really helps us. Uh, helps the algorithm, if you will. So it's a huge compliment. But uh, we were reading one that talked about the parade of homes. Like this is a parade of homes kind of um, uh, podcast. And I thought that was pretty fascinating because we really are. Like you, you, when you come on here, uh, you have three advisors who run three distinct and different practices in different ways. And I think that's um, I think it's fascinating in this space because no matter who else you listen to, somebody's trying to sell you a system, a platform, or something. And and I think we're I think we're really different. So I, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate the perspective you guys bring each and every week. So thanks for being on here. And Greg keeps screwing around with me, guys. I just got to let you know we're like we record this on Zoom, and he keeps changing his name on here and changing his background pictures. Every like three minutes, it's completely throwing me for a loop. But um, today we're talking about how do you run a high margin, hyper efficient practice and understanding what you're paying, how you're paying and how, what should your margin be and what's the difference between payout and enterprise value. So we're talking about all the numbers, the things that really drive our, our the money in our pockets today. And I think I want to start this conversation with understanding what you're paying because by golly, people people really um, don't understand what they pay. They don't understand how much they should be paying an RA, a TAMP, their broker dealer. And um, Brad loves to rant on this. If I, I've known Brad, Brad for a long time, I, I think he's got a soapbox out and he's ready to go. Brad, walk us through how should people figure out what the heck they are they're paying and what they should be paying. Well, I've always looked at the what are you what is your payout is kind of a misleading thing in our industry. You see it a lot in the independent channel. And I think uh, a couple of us were just talking to someone yesterday that he thought his he's he's an independent rep, but um, and with an independent BD, but he didn't own the office. And, and he was talking about his setup and telling us that his payout was uh, something like in the 60% range. And I immediately didn't think something sounded right and asked him some details. And it turns out um, the the corporate RIA that he was using had a 25 basis point program fee that they put on top of his fee to build a client. And we got in this big discussion. I've always felt this way. He's calculating a 60 some percent payout off of 1%. He should be calculating his net off of 1.25 because I promise you his clients 
would answer that they pay 1.25. They don't care that he charges one and his custodian or his BD puts 0.25 on top of it. They're paying 1.25. They don't really care where it comes from. So, yeah, and by the way, that was, that was, it was one point, it was 0.25 to 0.6 is what, what the, uh, the variance was for him. So was it really? Yeah. He was paying 0.6. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and the way that works. So if you're charging 1.6, the 0.6 would immediately come off of the top. Right. And, and that would go as your admin fee or custodial fee. And then you're left with the remainder. And then that goes to your grid. Is is that how it works guys? Yes. It depends. Exactly. It, 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 so it, yeah, it's about however your fee agreement is stated. Some of it is all in and some of it. So some of it's your net payout. So if you charge one and you have 25 bips, you might only net 0.75. But if you're, but if you're in your fee agreement, it lists that your fee is one. And then the third party money manager is 0.25. Uh, you might very well be charging 1.25. So I think it depends. Especially on the indie indie broker dealer space, that's on the RIA space. I can't really speak to the the independent broker dealer side. I think no matter how no matter how it's worded, what you need, I think what you need to do for fair comparison across channels and across firms is you need to look at what the client is paying, right, and what you see out of that. You know, if, if the client's paying a total of a thousand bucks a year and you're seeing five hundred, your your true net's fifty percent. Yeah, it doesn't matter they structure it or what they call it. And if you ask a client that shows that thousand dollars worth of fees on their statements, their fee is going. They're going to say their fee is a thousand dollars. Right. They don't care that five hundred is yours. It's a thousand dollars. It's a thousand dollars. Yeah. So I think when you're talking about comparing either how your shop is doing compared to another, or when you're evaluating a different channel or anything, I think you have to look at it that way. You know, because we're all seeing you know the RIA custodian ads about keep a hundred percent of your fee. Uh, you know, the independent broker dealers with their 95 and 98% payouts. I mean, I think that that's, it's a bad way to describe it at best and fraudulent at worst. I mean, I didn't go to Harvard, but 95% of 1% is not 95% if I'm actually charging one and a quarter. So maybe right. I should have gone to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the in, in RIAs do the same thing. You know, they run around and say they have 100% payouts and, and that's true. If you have no other cost on your right. books, if you don't have any financial planning software, if you don't have the tech stack, if you will, but every RA out there has a tech stack, whether that's their CRM, that's their planning software, performance reporting, what have you, uh, all of that is stuff that's integrated traditionally into a BD's tech bundle um, or some version of that. So we all have associated costs. Nobody's payout is 100%. And it's just important to understand when you're when you're comparing as you're trying to figure out how do you run a hyper efficient practice, how do you figure it? Greg, I want to ask you. I want to just pivot slightly. What do you think people should pay? So you know, if you're if you're kind of a, a guy with twenty million dollars and you're using a uh, let's say you're using a TAMP, what's a fair price to pay a third party money manager? Because let's assume you don't want to manage the money. Now, Brad would say that is baloney. And you should be doing this. And I could show you how to do this for next to nothing. But what what's a fair price, guys? What do you think? Yeah, I, I I'm you know Brad has uh, definitely um, brought me to his side. So I'm I'm I, I think you should learn it uh, because it, it isn't that complicated. Learn from a guy like Brad. But if 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 you refuse to kind of learn it um, as as far as the you know putting together model portfolios and that kind of thing, you know typically what you see is somewhere between gosh, 15 bips to 
to 25, 30 bips. The last time I kind of checked, that's kind of the, the norm. So, um, I, you know, there's a lot of advisors that, that will have their 1% and then they'll tack on whatever, whatever that, uh, third-party money management fee is. So if if that's 25 bips and you're charging one, the total fee to the client is one and a quarter. Uh, that's typically now that you might be able to find some, uh, and it also depends on the size of the account too. Typically that third-party uh, management fee will be lower, admin fee will be lower on a $5 million account as it will you know, compared to a $50,000 account. So that's typically what I see though, Jim. Yeah, I don't think there's a problem paying this if you get some value out of it. Like, not everybody wants to manage money. In fact, that's actually my least favorite part about the job is the managing the money, even though it's really easy. I mean, you know, it's Brad in our in our Century Club group. Brad walks people through how to do this. It's not like this incredibly complicated mechanism, but not everybody wants to do it either. So I think it's okay to outsource. I think twenty five bips if you're paying over that, you've really got to wonder like, what's the value add you're getting, like. Are they paying for your marketing? Are they are they uh, are they paying for your your back office? And if they're not, if I mean, we've met people paying 50, 75 basis points to manage money. Think about this. It, how the hell can you charge people if you want to charge one and a quarter, and your money, your third party person is charging seventy five bips? That means you're in at two percent. I mean, that's above market for what? You're not going to give above market performance generally. Brad, am I off base here? No, I think you hit the the nail on the head. You know, I look at it as like, uh, I mean, I don't like to do it either, but I, I don't really like to tie my shoes or shave my face or drive myself to work, but I wouldn't pay someone $100,000 a year to do that for me either. And that's the way I look at this function. It's not that I, you know, enjoy it. It's just that, especially once you're getting into the 50 and a hundred plus million dollar books of business, if you're, if you're paying somebody 20 basis points to, to do money management for you. I mean, that adds up a lot. Yeah. You, you know, this is this true story, guys. I ran a, um, I ran a mastermind group and we, and I love mastermind groups. Um, I, I think it's great to get a group of advisors together to talk about um, ideas and thoughts and, and share, share, share things that help people grow. And when we were sitting in this group, we have a, we had this guy and he is a big producer, uh, you know, ran a $130 million book. He's, been in business for four years. I mean, he is a fast grower, big implementer. Uh, and we got to the point where we started talking about third-party money management fees. He was paying 60 basis points wow. on a $130 million book. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's paying oh, he's paying like $700,000 in fees, guys. I yeah. was grabbing my calculator because uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot. And I'm like, dude, you've got to go. I mean, the, that that one thing, he the moment he left that group, he picked up the phone and said, you've got to charge me less. And you know what the third party money manager, the RA, said, oh, well, you were on our list to call next week to drop the fee. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you know, guys, and, and anyone listening, you know, I think in past episodes, we've talked a lot about delegation and not doing tasks that someone else could do for you. I mean, look at it. Look at it the same way. If you got a hundred million dollar book and you're paying 25 basis points for money management, it's a quarter of a million dollars a year. I honestly can run a hundred million dollars in, I don't know, maybe a hundred hours a year. And that's being generous. I mean, do do the math on that. Well, you can hire somebody to do it. You could yeah. hire someone to do it based that, on your methodology. Yeah. At that same point, you could bring in a chief investment officer and pay him 150 exactly. grand a year. 
and yep. have them talk to your clients and do market updates and all the other things that are out there. And that doesn't mean that there's not value in third-party money managers. There certainly are. There is there's a lot of value in simplifying your business if that's the route you want to go. But make sure they're providing value if you're going to give them that quarter of a million dollars because it's a it's a real drain on your resources. Just do the math. Over 10 years, that's $2.5 million. It's a big deal. So that's that's your first kind of lever you can pull to run an efficient practice. Now, the second lever you can pull is you can take a look at all of your expenses. And I, I want to pause here and I want to talk about, um, you know, from a margin perspective, you know, we're, we're in a fantastic business. If you went and looked at like Procter & Gamble or Microsoft or all these other, maybe Microsoft's a bad one. They're a pretty high margin business too. But if you went and looked at all of these car companies that are out there, they run pretty low margins. I mean, if they can get 10 or 15% margins, a lot of times they're pretty damn happy. In our business, Greg, what, what kind of margin do you think uh, people should be should be running or can run? I think on the high side, um, you know, for someone that, um, you know, maybe is just kind of running their own show and they've kind of plateaued and, um, gosh, if they're a solo shop, I mean, they could have margins as high as what 70, 80% on the low side, you know, probably 50, 60% is kind of what we see. Right. Yeah. Brad, Brad, are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I kind of think so. For me, the last three years in a row, I've run it literally sixty nine percent and change before marketing. And when I say that, you know, I'm calculating that based off of the total fees the clients pay. Then off comes program fees. Then comes E and O. Then comes licensing and assistant and utilities and office space. That gets me to sixty nine percent. So I would say a good practice to practice comparison somewhere in the 65 to 75% range, I would say is solid um, before marketing. Cause uh, you know, we were talking before the show, you know, I might spend $50,000 a year on marketing and somebody else at my level could legitimately spend $250,000 in marketing. And then that's not really a function of how efficient our practices are, or how great of a setup we have with our custodian or broker dealer. It's just a choice on who wants to focus more on growth. So I think that's a good range. I think if you get below 65 on a true net, it means you're probably either captive or running a very inefficient practice. And I think if you're probably running over 75%, you're probably running what we're going to call lifestyle practice or doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're in you your basement, basically. Yeah. Or, and you can do that by choice. You can do that by choice, or you can do it because you can't get out of your own way and you're not willing to spend a couple thousand dollars and reinvest in yourself. Yep. And that one is a problem. The first one is not. Yeah, good right. good point. Yeah, and the, the, the beauty of our business is you can do it any way you want. Like, there's no right or wrong. As long as you're taking good care of your clients and doing things ethically, then you run your business however you want. But this podcast is about growth. So we're not really concerned about the basement dwellers. Although, if you're listening, don't leave us a one-star review for that comment. Leave us five-star because we, we empower you to run it how you want. But with all that said, look, I, I think um, I think you, you if you're running below fifty percent, uh, you you really need to assess your um, your you, you really need to take a look at where you're at from your your profit uh, from your expenses and, and really dive into that. And I like what Brad talked about is uh, margin before marketing because all of us are on different journeys and different paths. And understanding what that is, is is really difficult. And I think one of the one of the other things that gets a little difficult here is um, when people talk about their total payout or their total 
comp, like especially captive firms, really um, they, they get really squirrely with the way they do it. They start like factoring in the trip that their broker dealer provided. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I, I want a trip and that counts into my payout. What do you guys think? Is that baloney? You know, I don't have a problem with it as long as it's a trip. If it's a legit trip that you get to enjoy that you would have probably other gone on something similar. Okay. You know, but if I had to go to Minnesota for a, for a trip and I count that as my vacation, then no, I wouldn't count that in my payout. Nothing wrong with Minnesota. I just, I'm more of a beach person. Does Minnesota have the beach? I, uh, man, we had virtual conferences for a couple of years there during COVID. So does that mean I didn't count it those years, but since we're, we're going to Minnesota or Florida <laughs> or wherever is now, okay. Now they paid for my airline ticket, you know, for two and a half days. I don't know. For me, I, I wouldn't count the damn trip to me. That's not a vacation. That's that's, I mean, while you're there, you're learning, you're getting C's and that kind of stuff. So that's, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I think I go on the same thing. I don't, I, you know, they, I think it's an ancillary benefit. I'm not going to include that shit in my payout. I, I just can't no. do it. Like if I've got to go hang out with a bunch of morons that are in the <laughs> that want to talk about annuities or or ETFs, if I, I've got to, if I've got to work during my vacation, I'm not counting that as. I mean, it's cool. It's a cool place. But we all know if you've ever been on one of these like rewards trips, they're usually great. By the way, but there's always some idiot that does it. And by the way, now. They force you to go to like some CE training. So yep. they force you to oh, go really? to like four hours of like learning because that's the only way they can write it off because of like the DOL or some version of that. So, I mean, teach their own. Yeah. You know, looking at the, on the, on the same line of thinking, and I've had this pitched to me by recruiters before, and I've heard other people talk about it. You know, you can look at other benefits that captive firms provide too. And I think it's a case by cases, whether you count it as part of your payout, like, uh, you know, to take health insurance, you know, if you're married and you're an independent advisor and your spouse, you know, has a job, has a job that carries the health insurance, you're not going to, you're not going to count the availability of health insurance at a, at a captive firm as part of your payout because it literally would mean zero for you. Yeah. Or as if you're single or your spouse maybe doesn't work or they have a business of their own, maybe picking up family health insurance to go captive might be $20,000 a year to you. So I think a lot of the ancillary type benefits you could or could not put them in your total payout depending on you know whether they provide value to you or not right i think i think you it's important to put an asterisk next to most of those captive payouts and we're we're talking captive we're talking about merrill or morgan or jones or wells you know the, right. the, these these uh, w2 employees that are advisors uh, the other thing is you guys don't have enterprise value i i, I know there's succession planning and i know like you're going to be able to like let somebody inherit your book that your manager decides ultimately and signs off on. But there's not enterprise value. Whereas, you know, if Greg wants to sell his business, there's a valuation number attached to that right now, like right legitimately right now. So that while that doesn't play into like payout, I think we do need to look at lifetime payout as we're making these, these, these evaluations. Uh, and, and additionally to that is that, um, and I know I think like Jones guys have some some me- uh, methodology where they can they can claim their taxes or K one it. I'm not really sure how that works, but we've heard heard rumors of that. But generally speaking, 
when Greg spends a hundred dollars on his cell phone, he gets the he gets listed as a business expense. And mm-hmm. there's there's some real pay, there's some real values from a tax perspective uh, on the independent side. So it's not always an apples to apples comparison, I guess, is my whole point. Other things around this is um, what are some other ways we can influence um, our our efficiency in our practices, guys? Like, what are some other ways people can run high margin businesses? What do you think? Jim, before we move on to that, I do want to say something. I, I, I want to throw my hat in the ring to just put something out there. There's no free lunch in the channel discussion, right? Let's just settle it. Indy, Indies are an efficiently run indie is going to net more than an efficiently run captive. And an efficiently run RIA is going to run a higher payout than an indie BD. It's just how it is. There's no free lunch in investing and there's no free lunch in running a business. If you're taking on more of the risk and responsibility to run your shop, you're going to get a, a higher payout. Is it 100% or 98%? Absolutely not. Don't believe the hype. But nope. that's the way it's going to work. And, and yeah. there's no white knight. Like, by no. the way, there's great no. advisors in all channels and yep. really wealthy advisors in all channels. So sure. it doesn't. You, you can be a Northwestern mutual guy and, ha, and, and, and make more than 98% of the RAs on the planet. So yep. all, all things considered – you can be successful in any of those channels. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was thinking as I asked that question, I'll throw one of those out around things you can do. Like, I think people need to do an analysis, kind of an inventory, an audit of their expenses every year. Like you're tracking your expenses. You should know like how much you pay on cell phones, how much you pay on office phones, how much are you paying on your tech stack and cut some of those subscriptions out that you're not paying for really right. evaluate where you're spending and employing those dollars. And and don't take that to mean be cheap. That no. just means to yeah. actively be involved in evaluating what you're spending money on and if you're still getting value from it. Don't do the opposite and stunt your own growth by worrying about saving a nickel and not making a dollar. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and it should really underline what Brad just said because um, I have to get out of my own way sometimes about being cheap. And I'll, I'll spend... <laughs> I'll spend like five hours looking for a deal to save $2, which is just the stupidest idea in the world. You've got to get out of your own way. You need really nice office space. You need, you need great help. You need all the stuff, but boy, oh boy, don't, don't overdo some of these things. What, what are some other things there, uh, Greg? Yeah, I would, I would kind of, and I, as you were talking about that, cut out some of the subscriptions that you no longer use. There is a planning software that I dropped that is absolutely garbage. Cost me a, a probably I don't know a couple thousand dollars a year, and it, they they make you do a one year commitment. So they suckered me in for uh, last year, but I I'm I've dropped it for 2023. Um, but but yeah, things like that, and and also um, you know also last year with with the market being down, if you're running a, a fee based business and you know have have portfolios that are you know based on the performance of the market with index funds, ETFs, mutual funds. Last year, from a revenue standpoint, maybe your revenues were down just because the overall market was down, fixed income was down. So so last year, again, not looking at revenues, but looking, what I'm trying to say is maybe your payout could have been lower last year. Maybe it was one of those years not to look at maybe the year before like 2021. Um, But as far as expenses are concerned, yeah, I'm just amazed how many advisors they say, "Oh, I'm I'm at a 70% payout or 80% payout." It's but they're not looking at all the other stuff. 
right? It's like, okay, yeah, that that's great. But you literally you're you charge somebody a hundred bucks and you're walking away with 70 and you have no office expenses, you have no overhead. Um, we've talked, we've coached advisors that their overhead is way, way above, and they're not even profitable. You know, they got a they got a six, 60, 70 million dollar practice and and they're losing money to operate every month and they just don't look at the numbers. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a financial advisor, what you got to, what you got to realize is that you're, you're really running a financial planning business. You're not, I mean, this, this is a business ultimately, and Hey, this is not a nonprofit. Um, as, as far as looking at margins and ways to increase margins, you know, a lot of things, what, what we can do is, um, we can expand our services. If you're not offering term life insurance, if you're not offering MIGAs, like, like Brad has taught so many listeners, maybe, maybe, you know, start offering other services outside of what you're currently doing. Uh, if you don't have planning fees, if you're not charging for planning fees, I, I think last year I had, I think it'd be between 35 and 40 grand in planning fees. Wow. So, uh, you know, that's, that's another way to increase margins. If I didn't have that, well, I, I would have not had 35 to 40 grand in fees. So. Yeah. You know, what you said at the end was really important. Growth solves almost all your problems, especially when it comes to, uh, efficiency. You want to, you want a higher margin, keep your expenses where they are and grow your revenue. Like, right. This, this is not rocket science. Go out and add another five. Keep your keep your expenses where they're at, and add five more million of revenue or AUM. And guess what happens? Your your margin goes up. Boom. And by the way, it's okay to run at a lower margin if you're if you're positioning yourself for future growth. Like it's okay to do that. Don't be cheap. To Brad's point, but growth solves a lot of these problems. Capturing more of that wallet share uh, solves a lot of these problems. Your clients have concerns and needs and. If you're not addressing them, you're missing out. Guys, um, any final thoughts around this? Yeah, I'll use this as my final thought as as you guys were talking. And um, guys, be aware. If you want to start and, and look for inefficiencies in your practice, my advice, look for anything, any service or any vendor that charges you basis points. I'm going back to the offloading of investment management. I promise anybody that comes to the Century Club or comes to the Mastermind, we're going to talk about this. And I promise you, if you are offloading your investment management, the number one thing that will improve your margins is stopping doing that. But any, think about it. It's the reason that we, it's the reason that we don't want to charge hourly or on retainers or even on A shares. We want to charge basis points and we all know why. So if any vendors that you have or service providers that are also charging you basis points, do the math. 10 on 100 million, right? And evaluate, are you getting that much value from what you're paying? And even if you are, is there a way that you can pay for it in a more efficient way or learn to do it yourself? So that's my final thought. Be aware of the basis points because that's where the margin is easiest to lose. Yeah. And and I think especially as your practice evolves and grows, and now you've got this $100 million practice, 10 bips on 100 million dollars is a heck of a lot more than 10 bips on 10 million. Sure. So as your practice goes up and up and up and grows and you've got this monster business, you know, just just think about that. Your expenses 
should as a function of that like like for example where i am with the ndbd they charge a lower admin fee once your total advisory assets get to certain levels right so really your your margin should be going up the more and more you have in, in that um you know advisory when your book of business the advisory portion of your book of business i should say yeah gr- great points guys I, I was. I'll go. I'll pivot because I think you guys have talked about those really well. In your quest to run a high margin business, don't give up the things that really matter. Don't don't get crappy office space because you're trying to save a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks a month. Yeah. It, it, you you need nice office space if you're a professional. You need a talent. Don't underpay your people. Pay them what they're worth. Like if you have people and you're paying them 10, 15 bucks an hour, uh, you should, you should have to go work at Walmart or something. I treat your people. Well, like I, one of the best things I heard a long time ago was, you know, Jim, if I had to have my staff on food stamps while I'm living in a mansion, I don't know why I'm doing this. So don't cheap out on the things that are important to run a high efficiency practice but really focus on those underlying things where you can tweak it and figure out if you're getting value out of it. That's huge right there. I talked to a guy, he's paying $900 a month for his website, which was, I mean, inferior website, looked like absolute crap. But he goes, oh, well, they also run our newsletter too. And I said, well, when's the last time you got a client directly from your newsletter? He said, well, I've never got a, And I said, well, you're paying $900 a month for a newsletter that brings you no new business. And your website is trying to be polite here, but complete garbage. So, you know, you could, you could find somebody doing your website, hosting it for one, 200, $300 a month and, and, and take that extra money and, you know, hire a marketing firm that can do a newsletter that will actually bring you new business or heck use that money for a seminar or something. So yeah, I see always so evaluate. All so the advisors are you're doing, and, and there's no sacred cows when it comes to your business. Hey, right. you, you should be ready to cut anything out, guys. I do want to, um, I want to make sure our, our listeners know that we have a private coaching group called the Century Club. So go out to the fahedge.com, the fahedge.com, sign up for the uh, the Century Club. If you want to get better at what you're doing, if you want access to great ideas, if you want to, if you really want to grow your business. Uh, and, and reach the, the height of your potential, I really encourage you to check it out. Go to thefaedge.com. Hey, more than anything, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Great discussion, guys. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.